This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Ganesh is continuing to evolve. Uh, the goddess is continuing to evolve. All these devatas and devis are continuing to evolve. And uh, it just seems to me very interesting to see how this evolution takes place. So we haven't come to the end of the stories of Ganapati yet. Time will tell what happens next. Welcome to Living with Reality, a podcast featuring archive teachings and modern conversations with Dr. Robert Svoboda, brought to you by the Be Here Now Network. Living with Reality explores Ayurveda and other wisdom traditions of India, which Dr. Svoboda has been studying for nearly 50 years. For more information, please visit BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Dr. Svoboda. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A. Hello, and welcome to Living with Reality. I'm Paula Crossfield, your host and Dr. Swoboda's business collaborator who helped him build his online business and create this content for you. Today, we have a very special episode that is just in time for Ganesh Chaturthi, which will be on the 18th of this month. This episode features a story time that Dr. Subota recorded a couple years ago on Ganesha and his origins and um, his importance in the Vedic pantheon. So we really hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, you can check out a course that he has on Ganesha inside of his course portal at drsvoboda.teachable.com. That's D-R-S-V-O-B-O-D-A.teachable.com. You can go to his courses there and find his course on Ganesha. He also talks in depth about the Atar Vishirsha, which is a Vedic chant for Ganesh inside of that course. So we highly recommend checking that out. But please, meanwhile, enjoy this episode of Living with Reality featuring Ganesha Storytime. Om Shri Ganeshaya Namaha. Om Vakratanda Mahakaya Surakoti Samaprabham Nirvignam Kurume Deva Sarvakaryeshu Saravadam Om Ganana Antwa Ganapati Gangavamahe Kavinkavinam Upamashavastamam 
Om Namaste Ganapatiye, Om Shri Ganeshanamaha. Greetings to everyone. Um, my subject today is Ganesha, and um, <clears throat> I um, probably had heard of Ganesha when I was um, a teenager or something, maybe. But certainly I got to go know Ganesha much better. Um, when I got to India, and in particular, when I started teaching, uh, started studying at the Ayurveda College in Pune, because Maharashtra, which is where Pune and Bombay are located, is um, without doubt the center of Ganesha worship in India. Yes, there are Ganeshas all over, uh, some of uh, and some of them I'm quite fond of, including um, the <clears throat> the one on the top of the rock fort in Tiruchirappalli, the city that is more commonly known as Trichy, home of Sri Rangam in Tamil Nadu. Um, and I'm very fond of Sakshi Gopal, which is in the Vishwanath Gali in Banaras, and um, and the uh, Ganapati that is behind the Durga Temple at Durga Kunda, also in Banaras. Um, but certainly, uh, if you really want to get to go know Ganesha, Maharashtra is the place for you. Um, there are many, many temples of Ganapati in Maharashtra, including um, <clears throat> Ganapati Pule, which is on the seashore south of Mumbai, not far from the city of Ratnagiri in the Konkan, the coastal area of Maharashtra. Um, and there are uh, many, uh, many, many different uh, Ganapatis in Pune. There's a very famous one in, uh, very famous one in Mumbai, the Siddhivinayak temple at Prabhadevi. Um, but there are certainly several other Ganapati temples in Maharashtra, in Mumbai itself. Um, my two personal favorites in the city of Pune are the um, <clears throat> Dagrushet Halwai Ganesh, which is a very new. It was created by Dagrushet, who was a wrestler. And as many wrestlers in India do after they retire from wrestling, he became a halwai. He became a maker of sweets. And <clears throat> as a part of the um, Ganesh festival, which is um, very much uh, uh, an ongoing annual thing in Maharashtra, uh, many people uh, create images of Ganapati, which at the end of the uh a festival, they proceed to the sea or to a river and immerse. Um, but others um, create an image and then uh, preserve it 
for uh, the next festival. And Dagoduset did this. And um, initially, it was um, not at all well known. Um, even when I got there, which is now 47 years ago, um, it was a completely low-key affair, very near the city post office. Now it is a gigantic thing, and you have to wait in a queue sometimes for 45 minutes or more in order to be able to stand in front of that particular Ganapati and make an offering to him. Uh, which is why I, uh, though I always salute Daguru said Halwai Ganapati, I prefer going to Kasbaganesh. And Kasbaganesh is a good example of what is called in India a Swayambhu image. It's an image that manifested itself in this particular case in, in the trunk and upper roots of a tree. Um, and it's been worshipped for at least a couple of hundred years, maybe longer. It's very near the chief fortification of Pune that was created by the uh, Maratha Empire, the Peshwas in particular, since the Peshwas ruled from Pune. And that's called Shanawarawada. So it's just <clears throat> opposite Shanawarawada. And um, it is still a very low-key place, very people folk and Vimalananda loved very much going there and uh, hiring some Brahmins and having them repeat the Ganapati Atharvashirsha Upanishad, which is a um, uh, uh, a a so-called minor Upanishad. It's minor only in the sense that it's not one of the big ones that everybody knows about, but it's not minor to people who worship Ganapati. Um, and um, it's still very much, it's closed in the afternoon, remember that, uh, but if you, uh, it's, it's very much worth a visit if you ever happen to be in that, in Pune, and in, for that matter, that part of Pune. Um, but in addition, um, there is uh, an area, or rather an area, there's, uh, there are eight very well-known Ganapatis, and I'm just, I got out the, um, out the here it is. Um, they're called the Ashtavinayaka, and they are uh, eight temples. It, not all of them are in Pune district, but um, many of them are in Pune district, and the others are um, very close to Pune district. And um, they um, they took on uh, importance because of the gentleman who originally um, started making uh, Ganapati well-known. He was a member of the Ganapatya Sampradaya, the, the, the group who believes that Ganapati, who, or rather who regards Ganapati as being the supreme reality. And his name was uh, Moria Gosavi, and um, I can't find the link, but you can certainly find him on uh, 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 Wikipedia also. Moria Gosavi, he lived, nobody knows, 300, 500, 100, many centuries ago. And um, he was closely associated with at least three of the um, uh, of these eight 
Ashtavinayaka temples um, with uh, Morgawan, Ranjangao, and with Teur. Um, and they're all excellent temples, though I have to say the first one of them I ever visited <clears throat> in the company of a friend of mine who was um, born and lived in Pune at the time and then became a monk in the Ramakrishna order. Um, so the first temple I ever visited of the Ashtavinaik was Teur. And I have to say it's continued to be my favorite temple. One should never have favorites, especially when dealing with uh, small uh, devatas who are, have the heads of elephants and are supposed to be eight years old. But still, Teur, which is known as officially known as Chintamani, the wish-fulfilling gem Ganesh, um, Teur is a very fine place. It's outside Pune, um, depending on traffic, about an hour-ish, and um, to the east uh, in the direction of along, just off the road to Sholapur. And um, it, uh, as with all these uh, very fine, other fine temples, are um, uh, very fine places to go. So uh, Dr. Set Ganapati IC has already been mentioned there. And um, this is, um, uh, the other one is Kazaba Ganesha. So I mention all of these because um, this is a big important part of, of why, um, why Ganesh has become so important to Maharashtrians and, and why Ganesh is so well known in India because he is so important uh, in the state of Maharashtra. Um, so who is Ganesh? Uh, he's, of course, probably one of the easiest, if not the easiest um, uh, uh, Indian deity to identify um, because he has the head of an elephant. Um, he's well known to pretty much everyone because he um, is always worshipped first uh, whenever you're going to do anything auspicious because he can either create obstacles for you or he can remove obstacles depending on how you respond to him. And um, during the class on Ganesh, I'll talk quite a bit more about that obstacle that aspect of obstacality. Um, but he's, he's also extremely intelligent. Um, he's very wise. He's very clever. And um, anybody who wants those qualities, uh, and also he's the patron deity of writing. So that makes him even more uh, interesting and uh, precious and valuable to me personally, um, because that's something I do a lot of. So... Um, Ganesh or Ganapati, his name is very simple. Gana is a big word because it means categories of all kinds. Um, it means assemblies, troops, collections. And Isha means Lord of. Pati means Lord of. So Gana Isha, Ganesha, Ganapati, both mean the same thing. He has another, and he has many other names like Vigna Vinayaka. He's the remover of obstacles. Um, and he is, some people believe that he, his name appeared in the Vedas and that 
Um, but that is, um, that's not agreed on by everybody. What is clear is that around 1500-ish years ago, um, he started to become known um, as he is now, um, as, a, uh, as an elephant-headed boy. And um, he is popularly regarded, in India at least, as being the son of Shiva and Parvati. And so that's where we should begin. Where did he, how did he get to be born? And of course, um, Shiva and Parvati are very loving parents, but they are also very non-traditional parents. Uh, they have two children, Kartikeya, who was pretty much created only from Shiva, and uh, Ganapati, who was, according to the most popular story, pretty much created only from um, Parvati, though with a little bit of help from Shiva. Though there are many stories on this subject, some of them even say that he was came from somewhere else and was mysteriously discovered by Shiva and Parvati. Um, and there's even a story that um, once Parvati was bathing in Benares and threw her bathwater into the Ganga, and there happened to be an elephant-headed goddess in the Ganga who drank up that bathwater, immediately became pregnant, and gave birth to a child with four arms and five elephant heads. And then Ganga wanted to keep him as her child, but Shiva said, no, he is the child of Parvati because it was Parvati's bathwater, and that determines whose child he is. And so Shiva took the five heads and condensed them down to one head, and then he is in the story that uh, uh, then he's in the form we know him now. But that's not the most common story. There is a very common story and a slightly less common story, and those are the two we're going to consider right now. So the very common story, the most common story, is the one that comes from the Shiva Purana. <clears throat> and um, Parvati, the goddess Parvati, decided that she wanted to take a bath. And um, she wanted to have a nice, I'm sure she was going to have some candles and some uh, bath salts and some unguents and oils and so on. And so she decided definitely she didn't want to be disturbed. She wanted to enjoy her bath in great peace and calm and quiet. So she thought about it for a moment and she took some of the dirt. Some people say she, it was, she had already applied some turmeric paste and she took some of it. But other people, including Vimalananda, said she took dirt because dirt relates, dirt is earth element and Ganapati is the lord of the earth element. So she took some of this earth off of her skin. She made a little image out of this earth. And being the queen of the universe, it just took a breath from her to bring this image to life. And so she said, I want you to guard the door so that my bath is not disturbed. So the small, um, the small child um, made out of uh, earth said, uh, immediately, mother, I shall do that. So he positioned himself at the door and there he was, and he was not going to let anyone in no matter what. Well, 
Shiva, meanwhile, had been meditating somewhere, as he does all the time. And after he got through meditating, he thought, huh, I will come and visit with Parvati. So he came over and he noticed that the door to the bathroom was closed. And he also noticed that there was a small child that he had never seen before standing outside the bathroom. And he said, get out of the way, small child. I want to visit with my wife. And the small child said, uh, you can't do that because mom said you have to stay out here. And Shiva said, uh, I don't remember you being my son. So um, I don't know what the story of this is, but just get out of the way, um, please. Uh, I'm not going to ask that often because I have uh, been in meditation. I have something I need to share with her. And the boy said, uh, not going to happen. And Shiva said, yeah. And the boy said, yeah. And Shiva said, yeah. And the boy said, yeah. And they started to fight. And so Shiva, of course, was pulling some of his punches because this was a small child and was not polite to immediately uh, slaughter small children. But after a while, when Shiva realized that, in fact, he had been imbued with all this power by Parvati, he was getting very uh, confused. And Shiva has kind of a short fuse anyway. So there came a point when during this fight, Shiva thought, best thing to do is just, I shall end this and find out I will act first, uh, chop first, and ask questions later. So he chopped off the boy's head. And of course, at this point, uh, why Parvati did not notice the fight was going outside, going on outside is a good question. And for that matter, why Shiva could not realize that this in fact was Parvati's son and was he was supposed to be there is a good question. Other than without it, there would be no story. So anyway, um, Parvati finally noticed that her son was dead and therefore uh, he was ex she was extremely upset and said, I'm so upset, I'm going to destroy the entire universe because I'm very upset. So Shiva thought, hmm, this is not a good sign and it's not time for the universe to be destroyed because I'm the guy who destroys the universe and clearly it is not time. Let me check that. No, it's not time. So Shiva said, oh, my dear, yes, dear, uh, please don't do that right now. Uh, it's not time for the universe to be destroyed. And Parvati said, okay, what are you going to do about it? You big lummox, you brute. And so Shiva said, mm, uh, I'll bring it back to life. So Parvati said, okay, better hurry. She started tapping her foot. She crossed her arms. And um, then there are different versions of what happened. Uh, but a common version is that... Um, Shiva sent out his, um, his minions to find the first uh, animal who was sleeping with his head into the north, because in India, north is the direction of death. So that would indicate, indicate an animal who was moving in the direction towards death, whether that animal was aware of it or not. So it happened to be an elephant. And the... Um, the uh, 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 messengers of Shiva chopped off the head of the elephant and brought the head back and Shiva was very happy and the head was connected to the body and uh, the body was brought back to life and <clears throat> there was um, the small child again. So he was given the name Ganapati uh, and he was made leader of all the Ganas, these Ganas being the messengers, among other things, the Ganas or the messengers that Shiva had sent out to 
um, <clears throat> locate an animal head to put on his body, why Shiva could not simply take the head of the boy and reconnect it to the body, it's also not clear unless you look at the esoteric side of things, um, which we will do in the, in the class. So that's the most common story. Uh, and it's a very good story. Um, but there is one other story that is kind of common, and that has to do with the notable and uh, very uh, ominous planet Shani or Saturn. And so that story is that um, Shiva and Parvati had a, an actual child on their own. Parvati, uh, how they created it, we don't know, but they had a child. And, um, you know, as you do with your child, it's kind of like um, you, after a certain period, you invite everybody over to come and visit it. So they invited all the gods and goddesses to come visit it. And they invited Saturn also. And Saturn said, I don't think that would be a good idea because whatever I look at has trouble because that's my job in the world. And Parvati said, how dare you refuse to come and look at my child? And Saturn said, well, that the point is I don't want to look at your child because that won't be good for the child. And Parvati said, well, I mean, the reality is, of course, that... Um, Everybody is. Everybody else is coming to do it, and if you don't do it, um, that is not going to work out for us. So Saturn thought, okay, I guess I have to do this. So he came, and from a distance, he looked at the child only with one eye. But that was enough for the head of the child to immediately fly off its body. Now, Parvati was very upset. So was Shiva. And so somebody, some versions of the story say Shiva, others say Vishnu. Um, so let's just say Vishnu. Vishnu jumped onto his, onto Garuda, his <clears throat> eagle, and found a young bull elephant lying down, still alive, but lying down with his head into the north, chopped the head up, right back, put it on Ganesha's body, and again, he had an elephant head. Um, there is... Um, yet another version in which Shiva killed the son of uh, a rishi named Kashyapa and Shiva brought that boy back to life but Kashyapa cursed Shiva anyway and said that Shiva's son would lose his head and when that happened uh, Shiva replaced the head of Ganesh uh, with the head of Indra's elephant Airavata um, and there was even a story about um, an asura. Sometimes people um, uh, translate the word asura as a, a demon, but asuras are not exactly demons. They're they're it's they're sort of like you know the devatas are visible light matter, and the asuras are kind of like dark matter. It's a it's they're they're different astral races maintaining balance in the universe because of the way the universe is put together. So in any event, um, uh, there was an Asura and his name was Gajasura. And Gajasura, Gaja means elephant. So Gajasura had the form of an elephant. And he wanted to please Shiva. So he sat down and did penance for Shiva for a long time. 
And um, <clears throat> after a while, Shiva said, Ramruhi, good, you're very fine. You have uh, done your job properly. What would you like? And Gajasura said, well, hmm, I think um, I would like to have fire coming out of my body all the time so no one can ever come near me. So Shiva said, okay, unusual. I'm not sure I would have asked for that, but Tatastu, go ahead. And so Gajasura was happy and now he had fire coming from everywhere and he thought, you know, that worked so well. I think I'll do some more penance. So he did some more penance until finally he made Shiva happy again. And Shiva came and said, okay, you have fire coming out of your body. What else do you want? And Gajasur said, I would like you to live in my stomach. And Shiva said, huh, mm, okay, sure. And Shiva started living in the stomach of Gajasur. Um, and of course, if Shiva is now living in the stomach of Gajasura, he is not living in Parvati's house anymore. So if Shiva is not living in Parvati's house, Parvati is wondering where Shiva went. So um, Parvati looks around everywhere. Where has he gone? Where has he gone? Where has he gone? And finally, she gets to Vishnu. And Vishnu says, you know, I, uh, that's an, an interesting question. Let me, let me meditate on it a little bit. He meditates on it and he says, ah, I see the problem. Um, this is why we call your husband Bola. Bola means very innocent, very compassionate, but very innocent, Bola. So what's happened with Bola, Bolenat, is that because he is willing to do anything for his devotees, he has agreed to live in the stomach of one of them. So I will solve this problem, said Vishnu. Uh, just Parvati, you just wait here and remain calm and I'll be back shortly with your husband. So um, Vishnu thought about it for a moment and then um, Vishnu said, ha, this is what I will do. So he, Shiva rides around on a bull. The bull's name is Nandi. So um, Vishnu transformed Nandi into a dancing bull and Vishnu Krishna plays a flute, so it's Vishnu can knows how to, how to play to a flute. So he turned himself into a humanoid flute flautist, a flute player. And then they went to where Gajasura was nearby, and he started playing the flute, and the bull started dancing. And Gajasura was very impressed because, like, like I and probably most of you, he had never seen a dancing bull before. And so. Um, Gajasura was very pleased and he said, you have pleased me and I shall give you what you desire. And the flutist said, are you sure you're going to give that to me? And Gajasura said, I will immediately do it. What do you think? Of course I can do it. And so uh, the flute player said, if that's the case, then what I want you to do is liberate Shiva from your stomach now. So, Immediately, Gajasura realized that this must be Vishnu. Who else could have figured this out? And only Vishnu would come and have the guts to uh, interact with me and try to get Shiva back. So Gajasura said, bowed down completely to Vishnu's feet and said, yes, immediately I shall do that. He liberated Shiva. Shiva was there. And then two 
now that he has liberated Shiva, he asked for two more gifts, one from Vishnu and one from Shiva, because of course he did what Vishnu asked for. And uh, he, since Shiva was no longer living in his stomach, that he gets credit for another gift. And Gajasura said, um, I would like for everyone to remember me by adoring my head. And I would like for you to wear my skin so that um, I am always next to you, he said to Shiva. So Shiva, it is said, wears an elephant skin. And um, then the head of Gajasur ended up um, landing on top of um, Shiva and Parvati's son. So in that way, Gajasur, in, in that, according to this story, Ganesh is really partly Asura and partly Devata also. So Ganesh is really a chimera or a chimera. It's a, a two different worlds coming together in one place. And that's what makes uh, Ganapati so um, unusual, uh, but also so intelligent because he can look at things from different perspectives. He can see different ways in which things are connected uh, that other people might not be able to see um, because <clears throat> they are um, only looking at things from that single perspective of however it was they were, who, whoever it was they are, whatever category they belong to, how they were born. So um, Ganesh being a young, um, a young deity uh, doesn't have a lot of complicated stories connected to him. Um, one of the stories uh, that is common in North India and not at all in South India is a story about the Mahabharata. The Ma Ramayana and the Mahabharata are the two epics of India. And the Mahabharata is more than 100,000 verses. And um, it's an uh, it's extremely um, complicated story. Uh, and it is said that it was written by Vyasa or Veda Vyasa, who wrote the Puranas and rearranged the Vedas, and he did a lot of work. Um, and so it is said that when Vyasa decided he wanted to write down the Mahabharata, he realized that the, you know, the only, the only person who could really understand it and be able to transcribe perfectly was Ganesh, Ganapati, because he is so intelligent. So he requested Ganapati to come and write for him. And Ganapati said, um, I will uh, definitely um, do so. Uh, the only thing is that um, I have to write continuously. So you can compose all the verses you want to, but I can never stop. If I stop writing, that's going to be the end of it. So Vyas thought about it a moment. And then he said, okay, but you have to understand every verse before you move on to the next one. So Vyas would concoct some verses in his head. He would mention them to Ganapati. Ganapati would write them down. And then he would concoct a very complicated one. And when he did that, Ganapati would have to make sure he understood it perfectly. And that would take a little bit of time. And during that time, Vyasa would um, 
be able to concoct some more verses. So as soon as Ganapati really understood it and was ready to move on, Vyas had some extra verses to move on with. And they say that this is why Ganapati has only one tusk, because while he was writing with his pen, his pen broke. And of course, he had told Yas that he couldn't stop writing. That means he couldn't stop writing no matter what happened. So he broke off one of his tusks and started using it as a pen. And so he is well known as being Ekadanta, only having one tusk. And they say that this is one reason why he only had one tusk. Um, another story of why he only has one tusk is um, because of the uh, very <clears throat> powerful and extremely irritable avatar incarnation of Vishnu called Parishu Rama, Rama with the axe. That was avatar number six, just before Rama, Ramachandra, avatar number seven. So avatar number six, Parishu Rama, um, had um, come one day to visit with Shiva. Parashurama is uh, in Chiranji. He is a uh, he. He's a uh, it, uh, immortal. So he, he the Rama has died. Krishna has died, but Parashuram is immortal. So Parashuram came to visit Shiva, but on the way he was blocked by Ganesha. So again, there's this Ganesha is creating an obstacle, just like he created an obstacle for Shiva, just like. So now he's again creating an obstacle. And <clears throat> Parashurama, of course, was always ready to chop at things with this axe. So he chopped uh, at Ganesh with that axe. And Ganesh knew that the axe had been given to Parashurama by Shiva. And so he allowed himself, because of the respect that he had for Shiva, his father, he allowed himself to be struck by the axe because he could have avoided being struck by the axe, he being who he was. Um, but he allowed himself to be struck by the axe because um, the axe was his father's axe, simply in the hands of Parashurama. And then once this happened, um, Shiva found out and Parashurama found out, and but by then the tusk was broken and then the tusk was available for other things. So, um, as there is, of course, um, a brother to Ganesh, that's Kartikeya. Kartikeya is the son of Shiva, and some people say the wives of the seven, or six of the seven rishis. Some people say uh, uh, directly from uh, Agni, from uh so they're different, they're different opinions. And it's also the case that um, in northern India, most, of, most people are, be believe that Kartikeya was the older one and Ganesh was the younger one. And in southern India, generally speaking, they believe that Ganesh is the older one and Kartikeya is the younger one. And um, so there is a a sibling rivalry between the two. And um, uh, probably the best known story of that sibling rivalry 
is um, happened when um, there was a competition and there are different stories of what they were going to gain from the competition. But ultimately, they were in a, and it was a competition that was being managed by the parents. Probably the parents noticed that the two boys were were rivals, and they thought, "Well, we'll give, we'll keep them busy by competing somehow." So, uh, some people say it was to marry first. Some people say it was to become the uh, commander of the celestial armies. There's difference of agreement. In any event. The um, uh, the competition was the two of you start off at the same time and you circumambulate the entire universe and then you come back and whoever cuts back first is going to win. And um, so this, at the start, Kartikeya moved forward faster because he rides on a peacock and Ganesh, who's a lot heavier than Kartikeya, rides around on a mouse. So Kartikeya moved forward, Ganesh moved forward, Kartikeya was a lot faster, Ganesh was a lot slower. And Ganesh was a little disturbed at this thought. And so either the celestial troublemaker Nadada suggested it or Ganesha came up with this idea on his own, but he thought, hmm, I believe that the reality of the situation is even though the external cosmos is manifested externally, it has been manifested from my mother, Parvati. Parvati herself, and of course, Shiva, who is the consort of Parvati, these, the two of these, are the parents of the universe. Therefore, they are equivalent to the universe. So Ganesh turned his mouse around, went back to Shiva and Parvati, circumambulated them, and Parvati said, what are you doing? And Ganesh said, um, well, as, it as I've realized that, in fact, the two of you um, are the universe itself, and therefore I have circumambulated the two of you, and um, I'm back now. And uh, they were, of course, extremely pleased and said, Ganesh, you're extremely intelligent, and um, you win the intelligence derby, and uh, everybody is going to know that you're very intelligent. And of course, Kartikeya showed up later, and this did not impress him at all, and um, that did not solve the problem with the rivalry, though it did um, indicate to many um, people that Ganesh was more of brains and Kartikeya was more of brawn. And in fact, Kartikeya went on to be the generalissimo of the celestial armies. And so he was much more uh, of a Martian kind of character. Um, and true to this, um, true to this dichotomy between the brothers, um, it is, uh, in some places, they say that Ganesh is married and Kartikeya is unmarried. Um, and uh, in, especially in southern India, and uh, they say that 
Kartikeya is married and Ganesh is unmarried. So there's, again, a difference of opinion according to which tradition um, you're part of and is going on. Um, so um, according to those people who believe that Ganesha was married, um, he has two sons and those sons uh, uh, sometimes are called um, Shuba and Laba. And um, in this case, uh, his wives are called Riddhi and Siddhi. Riddhi meaning um, sort of a generalized prosperity and Siddhi meaning accomplishment. Siddhi is more for non-physical things and Riddhi is more for physical things, but that's not a hard and fast rule. Um, one thing that um, I find very, very interesting, and this is particularly the case because um, I um, saw this uh, uh, spectacle unfold in front of me. Um, in um, 1975, there was a very famous Hindi, film, uh, Hindi film called Jay Santoshi Ma. And um, Santoshi Ma, uh, Ma meaning mother, uh, she is a goddess, and Santosha means uh, satisfaction. It's like in the uh, Yoga Sutra, Santosha, you should be, should feel satisfied, you should feel content. Santosha means content. So Santoshi Ma, she gives you contentment. And um, um, so in this film, the story is that Ganesh, that this Santoshi Ma is the daughter of Ganesh. Now, in the Puranas, these are the famous classical books of, um, uh, of um, the stories of the gods and the goddesses. There's no mention of Santoshi Ma, period, much less the Santoshi Ma being a child of Ganapati. But since that time, and I remember in 75, I mean, Jay Santoshi Ma was a gigantic hit. And um, I mean, uh, 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 ladies would go in and do arati and uh, to the screen when she was there and throw money at this. It was, it was a giant uh, spectacle. And ever since that time, now all around India uh, are temples of Santoshima. Even though she didn't exist earlier, she now exists. Even though she not only didn't exist, she was, Ganesh hadn't had a daughter earlier. Now Ganesh has a daughter. And so um, uh, there's, Ganesh is continuing to evolve. Uh, the goddess is continuing to evolve. All these devatas and devis are continuing to evolve. And uh, it just seems to me very interesting to see how this evolution takes place. So the, 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 we haven't come to the end of the stories of Ganapati yet. Um, time will tell what happens next. Um, so there is, um, there's one last story that I would like to share with you, and it's in two parts. And um, uh, the first part is uh, an example, and this has been told in a slightly different way about um, Hanumanji Anjaneya also. 
about what a big appetite both of them have that can only be satisfied by devotion in some way. And the case of Ganapati, the story is about Kubera. Kubera is the god of wealth. And Kubera went to have darshan of Shiva. Shiva is, Shiva is sort of like Kubera's boss. And Kubera, like many people who are rich, was proud of his riches. He was vain. Vanity was a problem with Kubera. So Kubera came to Kailash, and Shiva doesn't care about things like that. He wears an elephant skin and the ash from cremated bodies, and he lies around, consumes intoxicants, and is always connected to the supreme reality. And so Kubera said, <clears throat> oh, Lord Shiva, I have a beautiful city. It's called Alkapuri, and I have all these great cooks. Why don't you come and have dinner with me? And Shiva said, eh, uh, I don't think so. But you uh, can are free to invite my son, Ganesh. You can uh, definitely come and um, invite Ganesh. And uh, so Kubera said, of course, I will definitely invite um, Ganapati. And uh, so Ganapati was uh, invited. And... Um, uh, she, before Kuber left, Shiva said to Kuber, now you should know that my son has quite an appetite. He does have an elephant head after all, so just be prepared. Oh, don't worry, said Kuber. We have all kinds of food. And then Ganesh came there and um, along with Kuber, because he was a small boy, so he had to travel along with some accompaniment. And so Kuber took care of him and uh, and made him very comfortable and so on. And then there was the feast. And during the feast, Ganesh started to eat and he ate everything. All the other guests were watching in amazement because he ate everything. Then he started to eat the plates and then he started to eat the decorations. And then he started to eat the furniture. And about this time, Kuber started to get alarmed. And so he rushed back to Mount Kailash and started to uh, tell Shiva all that was going on. And Shiva said, I believe I warned you about this. And Shiva said, here, take this handful of roasted rice. That's all you need to do, provided that if you offer it to him with humility and love, that will solve the problem completely. He will be satisfied. He will feel santosh. And so Kuber immediately fled back to his city and um, Ganesh had eaten most of the city by this point, and Kuber handed him the rice with humility and devotional love, and Ganesh ate it and was satisfied and was calmed down. And that was um, a very valuable lesson for Kuber. Um, and this is the second part now. And this is... Um, to my mind, an unusual story, and one that has been concocted, in my personal opinion, for the purpose of explaining a, a, a particular um, practice that is performed on, at, uh, on the night of the beginning of the Ganesh festival. So Kuber, I mean, Ganesh is coming back from Kuber's uh, palace, riding on his mouse, and um, 
It was on a full moon night. And um, the mouse saw a snake and become, became afraid and ran off with Ganapati on top of him. And of course, this is an interesting, this itself is an interesting um, uh, turn of events because um, the word for snake, Naga, one of the words for snake, is also one of the words for elephant, Naga, possibly because of, you know, elephants have a big snake-like trunk, possibly. But in any event, a one Naga frightened the <clears throat> vehicle of another Naga. And so the mouse rushed off, Ganesh toppled to the ground and broke open. And all of the food that he had eaten, which was a gigantic amount of food, landed on the ground after his stomach broke open. And then Ganapati was, of course, kind of annoyed, but he decided to start putting the food back in his stomach. And the moon, the full moon was watching this, and the full moon was laughing, getting a good laugh. Ha, 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 you're very funny. And Ganesh said, hmm, what are you doing laughing at me? I'm not impressed at all. So he said, well, you think you're very impressive. Look at you. You're all white and shiny up there. From now on, you're going to be black. And that's, of course, a kind of a conventional modern curse that um, people um, uh, offer to those who wish them unwell in India. Buri nazarwale teramu kala. You know, if, you, if you're looking at me with the evil eye, may your face become black. So Ganesh said to the moon, you know, you're, you're throwing your booty nazar, your evil eye on me. Gah, ja, your face is now black. And um, uh, nobody will see you now. Ha, 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 ha. Now who's laughing? And then the moon became very upset and said, oh, my God, please, please, please. Mercy, mercy, mercy. And then Ganesh said, okay, you can be full. <clears throat> um you can be full uh, one day out of the month. Otherwise, you're going to have to wax and wane. And of course, there are other reasons. There's another story, and it involves Shiva and his previous wife, Sati, and Sati's father, Daksha, who had cursed the moon because Daksha's, uh, because the moon's, it was married to the 27 or 28 daughters of Daksha, the nakshatras, but the moon always preferred Rohini and was always there full in Rohini and then uh, was cursed to wax and wane. Uh, so it's, 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 that story had already been there, but now it's being applied to Ganapati. And then for some reason, um, Ganesh says, if anyone happens to see the moon on my, uh, uh, the, the first day of my um, uh, festival, uh, then that will not be good. That person will not gain liberation, moksha. Um, and of course, the first day of the Ganesh festival, which is coming up not that far from now, um, the first day of the Ganesh festival is not Ganesh's birthday. Ganesh's birthday happens Tilkund Chaturdashi. That happens in February-ish or so. And uh, the Ganesh festival usually happens during at the end of Shravana, the beginning of Bhadrapada, and which is usually in August sometime. So um, this is another good example of how certain certain 
mythic themes that in the past have been applied to other devatas as time goes on start to be applied to um to other devatas particularly younger devatas one who have just um who have just appeared so this is provides a reason for and uh some for whatever reason supposedly you're not supposed to look at the moon on the fourth day of the bright half of the month of Bhadrapada. We're on the, um, we are currently on the, it is an, the Ashtami. Uh, it's, it's Gokul Ashtami, really today. It's the day that um, uh, general, by my calculation, which is not necessarily everybody's calculation, last night, Krishna was born, and then <clears throat> he has uh, gotten to uh, Gokul because um, he had to go away from there because his uncle was going to kill him otherwise, and um, etc. So this is a good day to um, salute Krishna as well, who was also a very small child and a um, very mischievous child, kind of like Ganapati. And... Um, so my hope is that everybody um, will uh, uh, appreciate Ganapati, especially on the 22nd of August, um, which is when the Ganapati festival goes on. And it goes on until the night just before the full moon, Ananta Chaturdashi, and that's the day when... Um, uh, Everybody who has brought a Ganesh into their home in Maharashtra will take that Ganesh to the river or to the sea, and then they will say, um, Ganapati Bappa Morya, Morya for Morya Gosavi, Pudyacha Varsha Lokariya. Please come back fast next year. So, um, Ganapati Bappa Morya Pudyacha Varsha Lokariya. Ganapati Namaha. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash BeHereNow.